Hi, everybody. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team. I want to greet all of you joining us online right now and all of you in the room. So, yeah, we have people in the room. Wow. If you tuned in last week, you know that we are starting this kind of phased in in-person worship service, and that's kicking off on March 21st. And so today we have volunteers in the room, and you're here to help us work out the kinks, help us prepare for the relaunch. So thank you guys so very much. So glad you're here. Um, greetings to the Chinese speakers listening in, Dishon, Jiemei, Pingan, and to everybody. Welcome to Blackout Church. We're so very glad you're here. Now, if you've been worshiping with us for a while, you know that I typically start every sermon with a greeting to the Chinese speakers. I say, Di Xiong, Jie Mei, Ping An. And if you don't speak Chinese, Di Xiong means brothers, Jie Mei means sisters, and Ping An means peace. So the whole thing is just brothers and sisters, peace. It's a very common greeting in Chinese churches. This whole practice of calling other Christ followers brothers and sisters, uh, that's been going on for, 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 you know, for a long time, right? I mean, all kinds of churches and traditions, they do this. They use family language. Uh, you know, you have churches where you, you, you go, hey, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, you call everybody that. And there's church traditions where, you know, the priest, well, that's called father. And, and those in the monastic tradition, men are called brothers and, and, and women are called sisters. This is part of our spiritual heritage. It's part of our history. Uh, we've had this for a long time. But it wasn't always like this, right? There must have been some point back in time when somebody made the decision to use family language to talk about church. There must have been some point back in time when somebody made a conscious decision to, to call other Christ followers brothers and sisters. So why did that happen? Why did that make that decision? What were they thinking? What did they mean by it? Today, we're going to talk about that. Now, we are in a nine-part sermon series called Galatians, the letter that saved the church. And if you remember, the church, when it first got started, all one ethnicity, all Jewish people. And then Gentiles, the non-Jewish ethnic group, started coming to the church. And some of the Jewish Christian leaders, they said, hmm, these Gentiles coming in, they should become like us. They should become Jewish. They should follow the rules inside our Torah, inside the Hebrew scriptures. And Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, said no. He said, no, 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 no. The gospel is not about following a bunch of rules in a book. No, no, the gospel is about union with Christ. So if you remember, when we put our faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, we enter into a spiritual union with Christ. Yes, I'm a great artist. Um, <laughs> So, and, and remember, this union with Christ changes everything. So three weeks ago, I said, when we are united with Christ, that justifies us. It makes us right. And first and foremost, it justifies our relationship with God. Our sins are forgiven. Why? Because when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. Yeah! Pastor Chris talked about how, you know what? All these other people were being pulled in, and that God what God had in mind from the very beginning when he called Abraham was to create this massive, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multilingual people of God all in one body. And then last week, Pastor Adam reminded us that, you know, Jesus, he's actually the son of God. So being in Jesus doesn't just mean that our sins are forgiven. We're actually adopted as children of God. We had the same status as Jesus. 
awesome, right? Awesome. Uh, great sermon last week. If you missed it, catch it online. So today, we're gonna, Paul's going to take us one step further, one step further on the logic. So if you have your Bible with you, please turn to Galatians chapter 4. We're, we're looking at verses 12 through 20. Now, some of you know that I'm, uh, I'm supposed to go all the way to verse 31. But that last section is going to take way too long to explain, so I'm going to kick it to the webinar tomorrow night. So uh, uh, if you want to find a re- learn more about that, check out the webinar tomorrow night. Today we're focusing on verses 12 through 20, and this is where Paul is talking about his relationship with the people in Galatia. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? So here in this passage, we get to the backstory, right? Paul is traveling through Galatia. He was not going to stop there, but then he gets sick, right? So we have illness. What was the problem? Well, we're not sure, but maybe related to his eyes, perhaps. Paul is now in a foreign land, and he is sick, so he stops traveling. Well, when we, you know, traveling in a foreign land, in a foreign country, if we get sick or get in trouble, you know, we can contact the U.S. Embassy, or we look for people we know, or maybe, you know, people with, you know, connection, maybe other Americans in, in, in the city, perhaps. Well, Paul didn't have that. There's no embassy to speak of. He didn't know anybody, and everybody in the area, they were of a different ethnicity. None of them were Jewish. There's no natural connection. And yet, somehow, somehow, the people in Galatia started to take care of Paul. I just, I just want to make an observation right now. Because I think, you know, we read Paul and, and we, we get to know Paul through his letters. And here's the problem. Uh, Paul, when he writes these letters, he's all, most of the time he's dealing with some kind of a problem. Okay? He's dealing with issues. So he's always using his, I don't know, teacher voice, debater voice, you know, the Old Testament expert voice. And so we're reading, we're like, man, Paul, this guy, he's always arguing, he's always debating, he's always lecturing. Does anybody really like Paul? I mean... Is he a guy that you want to hang out with after work, right? Well, so here, in the middle of this angry tirade in the letter to the Galatians, we find out that, yeah, people like Paul. You welcome me as I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Yeah, absolutely, people, people like Paul. He is sick. And yet they, they cared for him. They loved on him. Why? Most likely because Paul loved on them. And we get glimpses of this all over Paul's letters. We get glimpses that Paul is a man who inspires intense passion and loyalty with those who get to know him, especially those who accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because they are his brothers and sisters. The Greek word there is Adelphoi, translated brothers or more accurately, siblings. And uh, Paul uses family language to talk about the believers in Galatia. And he keeps doing that in the next paragraph. 
Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. Next slide, please. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. You see that right here, right? More family language, my dear children. Now I know in Christ we're supposed to be all brothers and sisters. So Paul, however, says, you know what? The Galatians, you're my children because I'm responsible for your faith. I'm the parent. Or more specifically, he's the mother. Right, you see that, right? He is in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, now if Paul were writing today, we'd be like, Paul, uh, you're a guy. You don't know a thing about childbirth. <laughs> don't use childbirth as a metaphor. Stay away from that. Don't do it. But apparently it's okay in the first century. So I'm just going to ask uh, those of you who are you know, women listening, uh, if you can just put that aside. Okay, sorry. Because Paul, he's using this metaphor for a very specific reason. He is talking about his pain. Yes, he is. He's talking about the pain that he's suffering because of what's going on in the churches in Galatia. However, he's using this metaphor because it's about producing life. He's in pain, and this pain is producing the life of Christ among the people in Galatia. And he says, I'm the mother, and I have a family relationship with the people there. Now, we need to remember at this point, okay, that Paul was writing in the late 40s or the early 50s of the first century. Now, this is like, the church has been around for like less than 20 years, okay? So it's not like Paul's like, oh, everybody's, we have this long tradition of calling people brothers and sisters, long tradition of seeing us as a family. No, this is new. Everything is new. So where does Paul get this stuff? Well, he gets it from Jesus. If you guys remember the story in the Gospels, right? Uh, uh, Jesus' family, uh, they, they think, oh, Jesus is crazy. So his mother and his brothers, they go to find Jesus, and Jesus happens to be in a, in a house, totally crowded, and he's teaching in there. And, and so Jesus' so Jesus's mother and his brothers, they can't get in. So they send word in, and so finally, somebody in the room says, hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are outside looking for you. And how does Jesus respond. Who are my mothers and my brothers? Jesus asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Who is my family? Jesus asked. Who is my family? Is it that woman who gave birth to me and raised me? Are those guys out there who live with me in the same household for so many years, are they my family? Or is it you guys right here in front of me? Those of you who do God's will, which in this situation means those of you who believe in me, the will of God, to believe in me as the Messiah, as the king of the world. You see what's going on, right? Just like that, Jesus redefines the family with him at the center of it. This is a radical redefinition. Paul grabs it and provides the theological basis for it. We're all united in Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. 
we're all adopted as, as, as the son of God. We call God Abba, Father. Well, the next step is simple and obvious. If we're all united, all children of God, the same father, then we are brothers and sisters. We, together, form the family of God. Now, this, is just, this just, isn't, just isn't just in Galatians, all right? Paul, Paul does this in all his letters. He uses his brother and sister's language 118 times. He talks endlessly about how God being the father means, means the church is the family. All right, this concept is core to how Paul understands the church. So yes, we are family. And no, I'm not going to sing that song. <laughs> You're all thinking it. <laughs> but here's the question. What did Paul mean by it, by us being family? Well, I think it means more than we realize. I want to introduce you to a couple of books by Joseph Hellerman. He's a, he's a New Testament um, a scholar. Uh, the one on the left, the ancient church as family, is more of an academic book. And then the when the church was a family, more entry level. And in both these books, Hellerman describes the church in the first century in ways that we would not recognize. He talks about how in the first century, People have this very basic idea that, that you have one family, which is, you know, you have one true family, and this family claims your loyalty, okay, in a way that takes precedence over any other group. It is a place where you find identity. It is a place where you sacrifice your own needs and interests and desires for the sake of the family. And Hellerman said, in the first century, the Christ followers, they saw the church as family, and they lived it out. So Paul calling people brothers and sisters, that's not for the warm fuzzies. Paul's talking about finding our identity and putting our loyalty into the church as family. Let me just stop right there, because I, I think this could be difficult. I think this is a hard, hard teaching. And, and, and here's some reasons why. Um, first of all, some of us, we, we like our natural family. I like my wife, I like my kids, I like my parents, I like my brothers and sisters. The idea that somehow this church is supposed to take precedence over my natural family, that sounds off. That doesn't sound right, right? Jesus, when Jesus says, oh, those who do the will of God, they're my brothers and sisters and mother. Well, if that's kind of a hyperbole or some kind of a you know, metaphor or figure of speech, okay. But if he's being literal, Ooh, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't sit right. Second, I think many of us have had bad experiences in churches, right? We, we met people that, in the church that rub us the wrong way, and we're like, I don't want to be family with them. <laughs> and finally, and I think this might be the hardest one, we're Americans. We live in an individualistic society. So I'm thinking many of us, we see the church as kind of a club or a gym, we show up once a week or twice a week. We have friends there. But the idea that we find our identity in the church, that we owe loyalty, that we sacrifice our interests and our need and our wants for the good of the church as family, that does not compute. That goes against our culture. So <laughs> I could be wrong, but I'm guessing this topic doesn't resonate with many of us. And that's as it should be. Listen up, people. Listen up carefully. The Bible is countercultural. 
The Bible teaches things that go against our culture. It goes against what resonates with us. And the church as family is probably one of the most countercultural things the Bible teaches right now. Because it goes at the heart. It goes against the heart of American individualism. So let's be real. Do we see our church as our true family? And I'm going to guess many of us do not. But that's okay. That really is. Because also, the Bible also teaches us that following Jesus is about figuring out how to live out our true spiritual reality. Right? For me, for me individually, I'm in Jesus. Okay? I'm supposed to then, in some way, act like Jesus. Well, do I act like Jesus? <laughs> no, not even close. Ask my wife, Serena. Uh, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is working on it. Now, together, as a community, we're supposed to be the family of God. Do, does everybody experience this church as family? No, but we're working on it. The Holy Spirit is working on it, and we are building a community to reach a community, or as Paul might have put it, we're building a family. We're building the family of God in order to invite everybody in. Now, what does family life actually look like for Paul in the first century? In the passage that we just looked at, Paul actually gives us four characteristics of what family life looks like. Number one, we take care of each other. Even though my illness was, was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Right? I, can, I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Basic to family life, we take care of each other, even when it's difficult. We bear each other's burdens and take care of each other's physical needs. The first century church was known for this in their society. We need to move toward that. Number two, we have honest disagreements. Paul asks in verse 16, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Families fight. And the church is a family. We need to be a place where we can have honest disagreements while maintaining the relationships. We need to be able to pull that off. And I know that is very, 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 very hard. Many of us come out of families where that didn't work at all. Right? We, we have disagreements, and we, have, we, we lost families, we lost brothers and sisters, we lost parents, we lost children. Relationships damaged, broken. We, we are afraid that if we say the wrong thing or the wrong word, we can turn a brother or sister into an enemy. And on top of that, well, this is whole Midwestern nice thing. <laughs> that means we rather walk away than say anything. Man. But Paul knows all that, and he speaks the truth anyway, because he has no choice. Because this family is the family of God. It reflects his characteristics. And so we need to become, we need to work on becoming a place where we can have honest disagreements and still maintain the relationship. And we need to do, to do that because, number three, our family is under threat. Paul says, those people, the, the Jewish Christians who came from Jerusalem to Galatia, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to, to, to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. 
Remember, these Jewish Christians, they, they come, and they are zealous. They are passionate. They have the Torah. It says, see, sit right there. Get circumcised. Follow the food laws. Follow the Sabbath. It's right there. They are passionate. Well, what's wrong with that? What's the problem? What do they want? They want to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. They want to break up the family in Galatia. Look, these people in Jerusalem, they have a bone to pick with Paul. That's not a problem. They could have come to Galatia. Hey, let's, let's, we have a different perspective. Let's invite Paul back. Let's have a conversation at this church, and we can do this in a way that builds unity. But no, they opt for a character assassination. Paul's a people pleaser. They try to take down his credibility. Oh, he's not a true apostle. And in the process, they destroy the family of God, and that's why Paul is so angry. Today, we are bombarded with voices that are destroying the family of God. Okay. Cable news, podcasts, blogs, social media posts, voices for all kinds of causes. And some of the biggest voices are political voices. And these voices, they come into our family and they seek to alienate us and turn us from each other in order that we can have zeal for them and their causes. And most of the time, it's, it's not true conversation, it's not true dialogue, it's character assassination, it's demonization of your opponents, it's calling to question other people's motives. It's not just political voices, all kinds of voices. People who are passionate about various causes, Christian causes, from, from voices of Christian, Christian voices. They speak in a way that break up families. Look, I just said, we need to be a place where we can have honest disagreements. Absolutely. But, oh man, the way these people talk, they, there's no concern for the unity of the local church. Every so often, I'll read a blog, and somebody will say, hey, this is an important cause, and you should talk about it in your church that you attend, and, uh, but be careful, you need to make sure that the family is protected, because the unity is important. I'll read that every so often. But they're so rare. By and large, we have a lot of passionate people out there, passionate for their causes, and they want you to be passionate for their causes, and they don't care about your family. But it's okay to be zealous, Paul says. There's nothing wrong with zealousness. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. It's fine to be zealous. And Paul says, here's one place where I'm zealous. I'm going to show you where, where my zealousness lies. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I am zealous for Christ to be formed in my family. Now, real quick, what does it mean for Christ to be formed in you? United with Christ means I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me. I'm in Jesus, that's instantaneous, boom. I am one with Christ, I am a son of God, I'm adopted, I am now part of this family. Jesus in me, that takes longer. Jesus starts small in me. Jesus starts growing in me, his life grows in me, and it takes time, it's, it's a lifelong process. And so Paul says, his passion, his, his zeal is to, is to watch Christ form in other people in his family. We're the family of God. And here 
is the place where we are passionate about having Christ formed in us and to help it grow in the people around us. Where's your passion? Where's your zeal? So that's family life for Paul in the first century. Um, if we're going to get practical, we need to talk about family life in 2021 and here at Blackhawk Church. And to do that, um, I had a conversation with, uh, earlier in the week with Tiffany Malloy. She is our pastor for adult spiritual formation. And so uh, here's a clip of the chat. Hi, Tiffany. Hey, Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about uh, church as community that's today. That's great. Because yep. I've been talking about church as family. Yep, that's right. And, um, well, it's been a weird season, right? I mean, we've season. been socially distancing. Yep. So I'd like to find out, how are we doing? What, are we, what have we been up to yep. for the past 12 months? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, you know, so groups are a huge part of our strategy uh, here at Blackhawk for building a community. And so that has been no different during this pandemic season. Uh, our online, our groups were able to move online pretty quickly after the pandemic began. Uh, and then they started meeting in person, outdoors, uh, in garages and driveways and backyards and so, man, it's been cool to see just people be able to flip on, to, on, on a dime to do that. And um, we've actually even, there's been a surprise. So people have started joining online groups uh, from Minnesota, from Arizona, from Florida, from Israel. It's been crazy. It's been so fun. We actually even have some leaders leading from those places. So um, it's, been, it's just been fun to see these little pockets of communities, of families pop up and walk each, with each other through this really difficult season. Yeah. So how about some stories? Oh, yeah. So, um, okay, w one fun story. Um, so early in the pandemic, uh, some of the seniors in our community were having a hard time getting online because, right, they, their internet wasn't fast enough or maybe they didn't have a webcam. They didn't really need that in pre-pandemic life, but um, they were struggling. So we had some young adults who had come in and, and kind of raised their hand and said, hey, you know what? That's my thing. I'm happy to help. And so they were able to go into their homes with masks and, you know, face shields and, and quickly help uh, these seniors get online so that they were able to connect to community, which is awesome. Um, another example, you know, we've had people in our community who have um, gotten sick uh, with some pretty serious illnesses. And so seeing these groups rallying around these people, um, dropping off meals, on their doorsteps or writing encouraging cards and sending it to them, taking them to doctor's appointments um, if they're not able to drive. So just really caring and being real family uh, for each other. Um, and finally, the, the, the last story I'll share is, um, so normally during the summer, groups will take a break because group leaders um, need a break and we just need a chance to, you know, miss each other. Uh, but in this season, during the pandemic, we, you know, a lot of our groups realized, hey, there are people in our groups where we're their only community. They, they are, they're alone. They, you know, they live alone. They, they work at home now. And we need to support one another. And so it's, it was cool to see a bunch of these groups continue to meet, even though it's hard, right? It gets exhausting. Yeah. Um, but I'm just so proud to be a part of the Blackhawk community. That's mm -hmm. awesome. That's so encouraging, cool. Tiffany. Thank you. But you and I both know family is tough. Yeah. Family is hard. Yeah. So what have the challenges been over the past 12 months? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I know that there are people, there's some of you watching who, when I tell those great stories, might be feeling like, that's not my story. Um, actually, I've, I've felt alone. Actually, I've tried to join a group, 
but I haven't been able to find one that fits, and I so desperately desire that. Or my group stopped meeting, and I feel lonely. Or I've gone through something really hard, and nobody has reached out. And if that is you, I want to be the first person to say, I am sorry. That, it feels awful. And I know that there are a lot of you who are experiencing that. Um, also, can I encourage you to reach out and tell somebody? Because listen, it might be that the people in your life don't realize. We, you know, a lot of us have been kind of laser focused in just our very small bubble. I wanna encourage you to reach out because here's the thing. I think a lot of us have been hurt and a lot of us, there have been some struggles, but I think as we come together as a community, regather, re-see each other, there's gonna be things that we need to talk through, but we're gonna do it and we're gonna move forward and we're gonna have those hard conversations. So um, we do have some work, but I think we're gonna do it and it's gonna be great. Yeah, so hey, you know, it, it does feel like we're, we're moving to a new season. Yep. I mean, it feels like we're, we're starting something. Um, you know, the vaccina- vaccination rates are going up yep. and, uh, and we're talking about getting, you know, in-person gathering March 21st. Yep. So what does Block Caucus family look like yep. in this new season? Yeah, you know, Charles, I'm really excited about that because I do think that there is an opportunity for us to be family and maybe a healthier and new way that we haven't in the past. Um, I don't know about you, Charles, but for me, uh, pre-pandemic life wasn't really working for me. You know, I think for a lot of us, we were living crazy, overscheduled, hectic lives. And so, you know, this pandemic has given us some opportunity to learn some things about ourselves and about our priorities, uh, about what we hope for, for community. And so I think as we're looking ahead, looking forward, um, there's a few things that, you know, that we can be thinking about as we figure out uh, how do we want this new season to look like. Uh, So the first thing is this. Um, I think that we should keep in mind as we begin to regather and reimagine what community looks like is that there's going to be bumps in the road. You know, I've heard from people, um, young adults, uh, middle-aged moms, and even uh, men kind of in their 60s and 70s who've reached out to me and said, Tiffany, like, to be honest, I want to be honest with you. Um, I'm kind of nervous about regathering, and it's not because I'm afraid of getting COVID. It's actually, I'm nervous because what if I don't fit in anymore? Like, what if I show up and people don't like me? Like, what if, what if I've changed? And what if people, my whole group has been secretly hanging out, and they haven't invited me during this whole time, right? And I'm just going to learn about it when we're starting to regather, you know? And so I just think that there's this, these fears and these anxieties. And here's the thing, you guys, it is so normal. It is so normal. This is what many of us are feeling, and it is so okay. But it's important that we say it out loud. And, and I, I just feel like I can, I can, I can rest assured, like we can be rest assured that we're going we're gonna to deal with it together. We're all feeling it. We're going to move together in this. We're going to, um, you know, be patient when it takes some of us, Tiffany, or, you know, to get used to small talk again. Small talk's hard for many of us. That's yes. okay. We're going to be in the atrium and we're going to learn. And uh, we don't think we have to really worry too much about it. And the second thing that I want us to remember is that we are the church. Like, Charles, you're the church. I'm the church. Um, You know, the people gathered in the room with you where you're watching, that y'all are the church. And so, you know, when somebody somebody has a difficulty in my life group, Charles, it's not your job to really show up for them. It's it's my job, and it's like the 14 other people in our group. Uh, job to show up and to choose to be Jesus to them, you know, with with skin on. And so I think that, um, I think it's easy to maybe think that somebody else should be showing up for them, but what would it look like in this new season to just choose to show up, even if it's in, in, in small ways, to show up um, for our people? Um, the next thing that I want to encourage us in is that um, the idea of being family or being community, uh, it looks different 
in different stages. So, you know, group life, my whole team, we love group life. That is what we spend our time on. We believe in it as part of our core strategy here at Blackhawk for, for helping people to, to get community. But the reality is, is that it's not, it's not for everybody in, in, in different seasons. If you are a young parent, it might not be the season for you and that is okay. But listen, we have to run after community in this next season in whatever way we can. So we can't choose not to have community because we can't be in a group. Um, so, maybe, so maybe this is what community could look like for you. So what if you reach out to maybe like one or two people who are kind of running this race next to you and say, hey, do you just wanna like meet for an hour on your back porch, uh, asking each other a couple questions and then praying for one another? That could be community for you. Or if you are a family, uh, maybe you would want to reach out to a couple other families and say, hey, guess what? Parenting is really hard. SOS, I need help. What if we got just our families, our craziness together once a month and um, you know, we put pizza and a movie on for the kids in the basement and we just kind of share about what the reality of what parenting looks like right now and pray for one another and support one another. That could be community. Um, or what if, you know, you decide, hey, I'm going to take a step and I'm going to join the tech team. I'm going to join the welcome team. Uh, what if you reach out to the people who are serving next to you and say, hey, you know, I know we don't really know each other, but hey, you know, we've been talking for a few weeks. It seems like we have some things in common. Would you would them come over and, you know, it's like have a bonfire tonight, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be big, but it's taking the step That's towards right. other people um, in this season. So I really want to encourage you in that. And so the last thing that I want uh, to encourage us in, and this one is actually for people who are currently in groups or who have decided, you know what, I think group life um, is my next step. So, you know, obviously I've talked about how groups are a great way for us to grow in community. And, um, you know, it's, it's a way that we're building a community to reach a community. Um, but here's the thing, when you show up, when you sign up for a group and you show up, it doesn't mean that you're gonna experience community. Like it's not automatic, right? And so I think we just need to remember that um, the groups take effort, that community takes effort, family takes effort, that it's not easy. Um, I think that uh, we, as we, as we think about how we wanna enter that space or, or if you know, groups wanna re-talk about what, what does community look like as we go forward? Um, I think remember relationships take time. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's not instant. Um, we need to be showing up to one another in authentic, real ways that are healthy. Um, what could it look like to show up in each other's lives with compassion and humility and, um, and just looking to other people's needs before we look to our own? And I think that, you know, if we can envision this, I think that that's the opportunity for community to grow best. I think that's the way that family works best. And um, it's hard. It's hard, it's like not easy. And there are times, like lots of I'm sorry's, I forgive you's, wow, you totally messed up, wow, I totally messed up, right? So it's not easy, um, but I think that, um, I think there's some real opportunity um, ahead of us. And so I just wanna say Blackhawk, let's, let's be that kind of people. Let's be the kind of people that when people see the way that we love one another, they see God. And I think that that is the best apologetic. That is the best way of reaching our community is by loving each other really well. And you guys, so that's what I dream about our community in this new season. Wow, wow. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. That, that's yeah, so helpful for us. Practical, real ways that we can be family together. Yeah. Thank you, Tiffany, awesome. for joining us. Thanks for having me. I, I, I love talking to Tiffany. I, I learned so much when I talked to Pastor Tiffany. She has such great practical pointers for how we can move forward to build community. Um, people, listen up. We are the family of God. This is who we are. 
And there's a new season coming. Things are changing. As, people, as you know, you're feeling it. Let's move toward this. Let's move toward being the kind of people, being the family that God envisions. Let's live out who we're meant to be. Let me pray for us. Father, you know us. You know our struggles. You know, you know that for so many of us, this, this church as identity, church as loyalty thing, that just doesn't even make sense to us. Because your Bible is so against our cultural assumptions, what we grew up with, what we're used to. And, and Father, we confess that, we lay that before you, we know that we're broken people and we are far from your ideal. And, and, and you love us and you pour your grace out onto us. And we also know, man, we are united with you and that our familyness, our brothers and sisterness is, is a reality. And we want to experience it and we want to live it out. And we want to do it right here at Blockhouse Church. So Father, we pray for your grace and for your Holy Spirit to be pouring upon us. And we pray that you give us the heart to respond, to move toward this, to love you and to love each other. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.